Hello, this is Black Wall Street Chronicles, and we're back at it again. Uh, in today's episode, we're going to talk about the death of Brianna Taylor, I believe her name is. Let me get her name. Black authority. Yeah, so I hope you guys are having a nice week. Um, still in the belly of the beast of this COVID-19 epidemic. I'm an essential worker. It's really tough out here. Really tough out here. Uh, I'm trying to get this lady's name. person to Breonna Taylor's home without a warrant. Uh, EMT worker comes and defends her. And now he's in jail, but he got let out on bail. I'm going to read some articles pertaining to this t uh, case. First one I'm gonna read is from CBS News on the internet. Yeah, the this article on CBS News and reading on the internet uh, is called Louise. Uh, the title is Louis Louisville Police to Change Policies After Breonna Taylor Killed by a Cop Car in Her Home by Peter Martinez and Christopher Brito. Christopher Brito. Sound like somebody that I went to uh, junior high school with had the same name. The Louisville Metro Police Department will change its search warrant policy and officers will be required to wear body cameras in most situations after a black emergency medical worker was shot and killed by an officer in our home. City Mayor Greg Fisher said Monday, Breonna Taylor, 26, was killed in March when police entered her home searching for illegal drugs. Taylor's family filed a lawsuit accusing the officers of wrongful death, excessive force, and gross negligence. Her death spawned a public outcry and calls for federal intervention, according to the Associated Press. LMPD officials said that officers started shooting after Taylor's boyfriend, Kenneth Walker, shot at them first. But the lawsuit alleges that police did not identify themselves and that Walker, a licensed gun dover, thought someone was breaking in. Neither Walker nor Taylor had a criminal history of drugs or violence. The suit said, and no drugs was filed during the raid. 
during a live stream press conference, officials said that no lock search warrants will now need a sign off of the police chief before they are sent to a judge for approval. Officer had no knock search warrant approved the night they executed at the Taylor's home, Fisher said. Despite the no knock warrant, officers said they announced themselves at her home, according to CBS affiliate WLKY-TV. The Taylor's family disputes the claim, citing neighbors. This is a step, but we know there needs to be more causes on the use of these warrants, the mayor said. Fisher also announced that plain clothes units like the one was serving the warrant at Taylor's home will need to wear cameras while executing the search warrant. The new policy will apply to all officers during search warrants and other situations in which they identify themselves as police officers, according to the mayor. Taylor has been working as an EMT at emergency rooms and two hospitals, helping with the coronavirus response, her family said. Brianna loved life and she loved to help people and she loved her family. She didn't deserve what they did to her. Tamika Palmer, her mother, told CBS News correspondent Jerica Duncan, I was more concerned for her washing her hands than dying her at home, Palmer added. The lawsuit obtained by CBS News said LMPD officers Miles Cosgrove and Brett Hankerson and Sergeant Jonathan Madeley were named as defendants, arrived in planes closed on marked vehicles. The, law. the lawsuit further alleged that the officers then entered Brianna's home without knocking and without announcing themselves as police officers. The defendants then proceeded to parade gunfire into the residence with a total disregard for the value of human life. The lawsuit states Walker and Taylor believed the home had been broken into criminals and there was significant imminent danger. Police, on the other hand, said the officers knocked on the door and announced themselves, and that when the officers forced entry, they were immediately met by gunfire. Madeline was shot in the leg, police said. Walker has been charged with first-degree assault and attempted murder of a police officer. Madeline Crossborough and Henderson have been placed on administrative reassignment during an internal investigation. In announcing new policies, Fisher said that the new work group made up of community, public safety, and criminal justice leaders will explore a process for independent civilian reviews of police disciplinary matters. WAKY-TV reported, the mayor said that the measures are aimed at increasing transparency and improving the public's trust for law enforcement, as well as building a stronger community. The, pub the public integrity investigation into the case remains ongoing. Therefore, it would be inappropriate for us to commend by all what we have already said immediately following the incident. The LM PD said in an earlier statement to WLKY-TV. The family's attorney, Ben Crump, who also represents the family of Ahmaud Arbery, told CBS this morning that Walker and Taylor thought they were being burglarized. Does the Second Amendment not apply to African Americans, Crump said? This is a complete, unnecessary, unjustifiable killing of an innocent woman.
here's the thing I want to talk about. Here's the point that I want to make. Uh, Taylor's family father lost her father. Yeah. She was a essential worker. She was out there in the elements risking her life. And the police officers just came in and they just killed her. That's just crazy, man. These guys need to go to jail. But I don't know with Benjamin Crump. The problem with Benjamin Crump and that Lee Merrick guy is like, these guys are not willing to put police officers in jail. It's like they're ambulance chasers looking to get settlement money. Whenever we have these guys on this case, we never get the individuals to go to jail and do crime. I don't know. Let's see if I can read another article. This is from NBC News, Breonna Taylor police shooting. What we know, what we know about the Kentucky woman's death. The 26 year old was shot and killed by Louisville police in March following where her family calls a botch raid at her home. This article is by me, Vion Burke. The shooting death of Breonna Taylor, who was 26 year old, was by police during a raid at her home in Louisville, Kentucky, and sparked outrage around the country and the demand for answers. On Thursday, let's see, lost my place. On Thursday, the city's mayor and police chiefs asked the U.S. Justice Department and the FBI to review the police department's internal investigation into the shooting. The Kentucky Attorney General Daniel Cameron also announced that he asked to serve as a special prosecutor. And here's what we know about the case. Breonna Taylor is killed, family files a lawsuit. Breonna Taylor and her boyfriend Kenneth Walker were asleep in their apartment just before 1 a.m. On March 13, three Plain Coast officers with the Louisville Metro Police Department arrived to execute a search warrant in a drug case. The two believed their apartment was being broken into when the police busted through the door, according to the lawsuit by Taylor's mother, Tamika Palmer. Walker called 911, grabbed a gun, and fired, shooting an officer in the leg. He had a license to carry and kept firearms in the home, and Taylor was unarmed. The lawsuit accuses the officers of blindly firing more than 20 shots into the apartment. Taylor, a former EMT worker, was shot eight times and died. Walker, 27, was arrested and charged with assault and attempted murder on a police officer. Taylor and Walker had no criminal history or drug convictions and no drugs was found in the apartment during the raid, the suit states. Police have not commented directly on Taylor's death. The three officers involved in the shooting were re-inside pending the outcome of the investigation. The no-knock search warrant. According to the Courier Journal Louisville, a judge had approved a no-knock search warrant, meaning police could enter the home without identifying themselves. At a March 13th news conference, Police Lieutenant Ted Elba 
said police officers had knocked on the door several times and announced their presence as police were there with a search warrant. After forcing their way in, they were immediately met by gunfire, Evelyn said. But the lawsuit by Taylor's family said that the police did not knock or identify themselves before they busted into the apartment. Didn't they have a no-knock search warrant? Make no sense. Records show that the police investigation was centered around the trap house more than 10 miles from Taylor's apartment, according to the Courier General. Her family said officers were looking for a man named Jamarcus Glover, who lived in a different part of the city and was already in police custody when Taylor's home was raided. Her address was listed on a search warrant based on police belief that Glover had used her apartment to receive mail, keep drugs, or stash money. The warrant also stated that the car registered to Taylor had been parked on several occasions in front of a drug house known to Glover. Attorney Benjamin Crump joins the case, calls death a senseless killing. Civil rights attorney Ben Crump was hired by Taylor's family this week and called out the police department for not providing any answers regarding the facts and circumstances on how this tragedy occurred. We stand with the family of this young woman in demanding answers for Louisville Police Department. The attorney said in a statement Monday on Twitter calling Taylor's death a senseless killing. Crump, who was also representing the family of Ramon Arbery, said at a news conference on Wednesday that the police cannot continue to kill our black woman and escape any accountability. Taylor and the suspect had completely previously dated. Sam Argo, another attorney on the case, said at a Wednesday news conference that Taylor and Glover had dated two years prior and had maintained a past of friendship. The attorney said Taylor was innocent. The warrant in it on itself looked like a wild, another wild goose chase to try to get drug dealers and other folks in Louisville, and Breonna Taylor got lumped right in in the middle of it, Argo said. Taylor and the suspect had previously dated. Uh, let me find out if this was a crime of passion. Mayor says his priority is the truth as State Attorney General steps in. Louisville Mayor Greg Fisher said on Twitter Tuesday, as always, my priority is that the truth comes out and for justice to follow the path of truth. A day later, Kentucky Attorney General Daniel Cameron announced that he was asked to serve as a special prosecutor and take appropriate action if necessary. Just hour before Governor Andy Richer had called on Cameron to carefully review the results of the initial investigation to ensure justice is done at a time where many are concerned that justice is not, is not blind. Public reports concerning death of Breonna Taylor are troubling, said in a statement. State Representative Charles Booker of Louisville also called for an independent investigation. Those unjust and rehensible, it is true black people in American society is often seen as deadly weapons simply because of the color of our skin, Booker wrote to letter to Cameron. I urgently regret that you should justice is done in the case. 
to read this article from MotherJones.com. Let's see. This is about, I never heard of Mother Jones. This article. Let's see. Breonna Taylor is one of the shocking number of black people to see armed police barge into their homes. Tens of thousands more could be targeted in drug raids this year. Interesting. This, uh, this reporter is writing this article. is a woman by the name of Samantha Michaels. An indispensable reporting on the coronavirus crisis and more subscribed to Mother Jones Resources. Okay. In mid-March, police officers barged into Breonna Taylor's home in Louisville, Kentucky, in the middle of the night and discharged a spray of bullets that sprang and killed the 26-year-old EMT. More than two months later, leaders in her city are taking steps to make it harder for officers to enter homes without knocking. On Monday, Louisville Mayor Greg Fisher announced that the police chief will now have to sign up for all no-lock warrants, the type of search warrant officers obtain to enter Taylor's home as a part of a drug investigation. But it's unlikely Taylor will be the last black woman to lose her life as a result of these warrants. Reaching search shows that black and Latino people have long been disproportionately affected by these kinds of raids, and tens of thousands more will be likely targeted within the year. They don't do this in other neighborhoods, Benjamin Crump, a civil rights attorney representing Taylor's family, said in a press call last week. Crump has also represented the families of other black shooting victims around the country, including Trayvon Martin, Marker Brown, Tamir Rice, and Ahmaud Aubrey. If this was another household in a more affluent community, lighting would strike and thunder would groan if such a warrant was issued, Crump said. Taylor, 26, and her boyfriend, Kenneth Walker, were in bed when they heard the officers entered at around 12.40 a.m. on March 13. According to the search warrant, police believed that a suspect drug dealer named Jamarcus Glover, who did not live with Taylor and have already been arrested elsewhere, was keeping drugs and money at her house. Walker, thinking that the Plain Crows officers were intruders, called 911. He then pulled out his gun and fired a shot at one officer's leg. The officers responded with more than 20 rounds of bullets that sailed through the kitchen and living room, fatally striking Taylor eight times. Bullets also flew into an adjacent home where a pregnant woman and a five-year-old slept. The, wow, a pregnant woman and a five-year-old. <sighs> Boy. The officers found no drugs on the premises. They probably charged Walker with attempted murder. Walker was a legally registered gun holder and Kentucky stand your ground law allows people to use deadly force against an intruder at home. But the law doesn't apply when the intruder is a police officer who identifies himself as such. The Louisville officers claimed that even with their no-knock warrant, they have knocked and announced themselves before forcibly entering Taylor's home. According to the laws for our family, neighbors said they heard no knock. Neither Taylor nor her boyfriend had a criminal record for drugs or violence, the lawyer said in a lawsuit filed in late April. 
They accused the police of negligence, excessive force, and wrongful death. Kentucky Governor Ainsley Bissell last week described reports of the killing as troubling and called for an investigation. Responding to Taylor's death, Kentucky Senator Rand Paul told the Courier Journal he thought no knock warrants should be forbidden. Historically, police officers executing a warrant were supposed to knock, announce themselves, and wait before entering a person's home. But in the 1970s and 80s, as the war on drugs ramped up, many officers argued that drug dealers would take advantage of the warrant to destroy evidence or arm themselves. Judges began to pull no knock warrants, along as the quick knock warrants, another type of requires officers to knock, but allows them to barge inside seconds later. Around the country, no knock and quick knock drug searches surge. From around 3,000 in 1981, at least 60,000 annually in recent years, according to Preeti Kraska, a professor at Eastern Kentucky University who studies these raids. In many cities, it is rare for a judge to deny an officer's request for a no-not warrant. Partly because it's easy to argue a suspect would be dangerous when you consider four in ten American adults live at home with a gun. As numbers of raid increased, so did the toll on black families. The war on drugs has been predominantly prosecuted against minority communities, so the bulk of no lock raids executed against these same people, says Kraska. The officers who killed Taylor were plain crows. Usually, no lock raids are carried out by trained SWAT or tactical teams with military grade gear. In 2014, researchers at the ACLU studied more than 800 SWAT raids by law enforcement around the country. In total, they found that 42% of the people affected by search warrant raids were black, and 12% were Latino. Nearly two-thirds of the raid were drug searches. Taken together, black people and Latinos accounted for 61% of the people targeted by drug raids. And SWAT teams form contraband in only a third of these cases, meaning that many innocent people were raided unnecessarily. Others were killed or injured. In 2008, SWAT officers opened fire into a home of Taraka Wilson in Lima, Ohio. They were hunting for Wilson's boyfriend, a suspected drug dealer, but inside they fatally shot Wilson, who was cradling her 14-month-old son. Bullets hit the baby in the left shoulder and the hand, but he survived. In 2014, Georgia police threw a grenade into a crib of a 19-year-old toddler during a SWAT raid, burning the boy so badly he was placed into a medically introduced coma. The officers who said they haven't realized they were children at home were not charged. In 2010, as betrayed in this Mother Jones investigation, Detroit police who entered the wrong apartment during a no-lock raid and killed seven-year-old Ayanna Stanley Jones as she stepped on the couch. Between 2010 and 2016, at least 81 civilians and 13 officers died in the forcible entry swap raids across the country. According to a New York Times report, and Crosta, the professor, has documented about 330 no-lock or quick-knock raids in the past two decades that led to a killer with serious injury. This is such an extreme, inherently risky, and violent approach. 
It doesn't make any sense to use this highly militarized approach for a potential low-level drug possession or low-level dealing. While the Louisville Police Department will now require the police chief to sign off on no lock raids, Crosco worries is a pretty meaningless attempt at reform because it's contingent on the chief's sensibilities. If you have a progressive police chief who is concerned about citizen well-being, that's a good idea, he says, but if you have a chief that thinks raids are the best way to fight the drug war, you could have a complete mess. Mayor Fisher acknowledged that the policy change was the first step. We know there needs to be more conversation on the use of these warrants, he said Monday. Quick knock warrants will still be allowed with the police chief's approval. He added that the police department would expand its use of bloody cameras, which had not been won by the officers who killed Taylor. It may not have been the kind Justice Taylor mom, Tamika Palmer, imagined for a daughter. I want her them to say her name, Palmer said in a recent interview with the Washington Post. Palmer says Taylor was scheduled to work a hospital shift the morning after she was shot. There's no reason Brianna should be dead at all. This is actually a very good article. I didn't know anything about the no-knock raid policy. I thought SWAT was just, I suppose, warrants. You're supposed to knock on the door. I didn't know that. Hmm. It's actually very interesting. All right. Let's read some more articles, see if I can find something else. Okay, good. USA Today is going to give me an, a timeline of the Breonna Taylor shooting. And this is good. So let's get right to it. Minute by minute. What happened tonight when Eastfield police fatally shot Breonna Taylor? Louisville, Kentucky. In the early morning hours of March 13, Brianna Taylor and her boyfriend, Kenneth Walker, were in her bed asleep when they heard a loud banging at the door. They called out asking who was there, but heard no response, the attorney said. Minutes later, Taylor, a 26-year-old EMT, lay dead on her hallway floor, shot at least 10 times by plainclothes officers, went bursting to execute a no-lock search warrant at her home. What happened the night at Taylor Springford Drive apartment in southwest Jefferson County has sparked a national debate on the use of force and the shootings of unarmed black Americans by police. Exactly what went down in the moments before Taylor died at 12.48 a.m. March 13th depends who you listen to. There were no body cameras to record the events now under investigation by police. Police say they entered the apartment when someone shot one of the officers and they returned fire. They are pressing forward with charges against Walker for attempted murder of a police officer. Walker's attorney says he acted in self-defense. 
How was he to know it wasn't an intruder if police never identified himself? And why was Taylor killed? Using interviews, court records, and witness accounts, the Louisville Coroner Journal, part of USA Today Network, has pieced together the hours and minutes leading to that fatal confrontation. Okay. Here's what we know about the final fateful hours that cost Taylor her life. Two wines, two houses. On March 12, 12 hours before Taylor died, events were set into motion. LMPD Detective Joshua James wrote at least two affidavits seeking a judge permission for no-knock searches in the narcotics investigation. Jefferson Circuit Judge Mary Shaw signed the first at 12.25 p.m. for a trap house or a drug house in the Russell neighborhood. Confidential informant had purchased drugs at the home within the two days and James observed what appeared to be drug deals the day before. The second search warrant was signed by Shaw 12 minutes later for the Taylor's home and car, 10 miles away at St. Anthony's Gardens apartment. Taylor's name was on the second warrant along with Jamarcus Glover and Adrian Walker who were also named on the first warrant. A sudden explosion. At 12.40 a.m. March 13, as Taylor and Walker were in bed sleep, police arrived at her apartment. Despite having a secured no-lock warrant, the detectives locked multiple times and announced their presence, Louisville police officers claimed. But neighbors told Taylor's attorneys that they had never heard anyone identify themselves. And Walker's attorney says that when he and Taylor called out, there was no response. When no one opened the door, a detective used a battering ram to force their way in, police not say. Walker's attorney says the door suddenly exposed, followed by a gunshot. Attorneys for Taylor's family said that around the time police entered the home, Walker called 911, believing that their house was being invaded. It's not clear if they call came before or after the shots was fired. Kenny, who is a licensed gun owner, a registered gun owner, and to protect his castle, to protect his woman, and to protect himself, got his gun and they came through the door, through the front door. He shot, attorney Benjamin Crump said. A hail of police bullets. At 12.43 a.m., three minutes before the police arrived, Walker fired one round as the door bust in, allegedly striking Sergeant Jonathan Manley in the upper left eye. Police responded with a hail of police bullets, Walker's attorney Rob Egger wrote in the court file. Bullets hit the kitchen, the living room ceiling, the living room window, the wall across the window, and at least one adjoining apartment, Egger claims, based on the survey of the scene after the incident. It appeared the police fired more than 22 rounds, he said. They struck a clock in a roll, a blue cooking pot, a wooden chair, a full-length mirror. They hit the ceiling and window curtains. Bullet holes were found in the adjacent residence where a five-year-old child and a pregnant mother were present, according to a lawsuit fired by the Taylor family. Taylor's sister, Janina Palmer, typically stays in the second bedroom. 
She wasn't there on March 13, but both attorneys for Taylor and Walker said Palmer could have been killed if she was home. It is incredible that Miss Taylor was the only one killed, Edgar wrote. Bullets went into the upstairs apartment and bullets went to the apartment three. Nobody heard police announce their presence. The shots were fired inside Taylor's apartment as well as from at least one officer who was inside firing blind into the house, according to the family's lawsuit. The person shooting from outside the home could not see anything because the living room window was obscured by citizens and the second bedroom window was obscured by screens and blinds, the suit claims. There was no way that the officers could have reasonable line of sight when firing into the home from outside the window, it says. Crump has said police shot rounds from everywhere, from the front door, from the windows, from the patio doors. I mean, it was a volley of bullets from every direction. At least eight rounds struck Taylor. She died at 12.48 a.m. five minutes after police entered the walker and fired his gun. According to the Jefferson County Coroner's Office, photos show blood in the hallway in a wall with three bullet holes. An audio recording made for the scene illustrates the chaos. 10.30, 10.30, officer down, 10.30, an identified caller said, officer shot in Springfield, officer shot in Springfield. It continues and clouded in a rifle fire. Officer down, officer shot in Springfield, officer shot in Springfield. An unidentified caller then continues, officer into rifle fire, officer down. The calls go on to request EMS for the officer and SWAT to go on the scene. He's conscious, the caller says Madeline. It looks like it won't die. We're going to put him in the back of our car, a different voice says about taking Madeline to the hospital. We don't know where our backup EMS is on the scene at. Another warrant at the trap house. At the same time police entered Taylor's apartment, police from across town were executing a separate search warrant at the trap house in Russell neighborhood. At 12.40 a.m. March 13, Officers arrived at 2424 Elliot Avenue, referenced extensively in the search warrant police obtained for the Taylor's apartment. Glover had been previously picked up on drug charges and he had drug trafficking and profession cases pending against him at the time of the warrants. Police wrote in an affidavit attached to the warrant that they believe Glover used Taylor's home to receive the mail, keep drugs or stash money earned for drug trafficking. James, the detective who requested the warrants, want in the document that Glover has been seen walking into Taylor's apartment in January and leaving with a suspected USPS package in his right hand, then got in his car and drove into a known drug house on Muhammad Ali Boulevard. James said he verified through a U.S. postal inspector that Glover had been receiving packages at Taylor's address. He also reported seeing a white vehicle registered to Taylor parked in front of the Elliott Avenue address, the main place where a suspected drug dealer was occurring on different occasions.
Glover was arrested at the Elliott House address at 2.43 a.m. March 13. His arrest citation shows. The time of his offense was listed as 12.40 a.m. The arrest warrant for that address lists Glover in addition to Adrian Orlandez Walker, Demarcus Joey Bowman, Anthony J. Taylor II, Dominique Crenshaw, and Deanna Love and Gover. Brianna Taylor is not mentioned. The attached evidence laws include seeds, money, marijuana, crack, cocaine, yellow pills, codeine baggies, surveillance cameras, phones, firearms, and bills. The police department had changed another search warrant for the same property five weeks later on April 21st. In it, officers write that after the March 13 raid, the police had verified drug dealing and had resumed at the property by the end of March 2020. Suspect or victim. In the press conference on his police shooting hours later the same day, Lieutenant Ted Edmund with LMPD's Public Integrity Unit said officers were immediately met by gunfire when they entered Taylor's apartment. All three officers at the apartment, Madeline, Brent Hankerson, and Miles Cosgrove, returned fire, Edom said. Edom named Walker as the suspect in custody for shooting Madeline, who he said underwent surgery and was suspected to make a full recovery. Taylor wasn't named. Police were still working through what her involvement was on the narcotics investigation, Edom said. Walker's name wasn't on either search warrant police executed that night. His arrest citations from March 13 said he told police he was the only person to shoot from inside the apartment. Official initially referred to Taylor as a suspect due to she was unarmed and had died. In the subsequent search for warrant for Taylor's home obtained less than three hours after the shooting, LMPD officers told the judge that narcotics detectives who entered the apartment that night returned gunfire in the course of protecting themselves and other citizens. The wording is apparent reference to Louisville Metro Police Policy, which states that the use of deadly force is authorized in the defense of oneself or another when the officer reasonably believes that the person who against whom the force is used poses an immediate threat or death or serious injury to the officer or to another person. The policy adds that deadly force, like all uses of force, should not be used unless other reasonable alternatives have been exhausted, and if feasible, verbal warnings should be given before it is used. It also states that officers firing their weapons should remain cognizant of the direction in which it is being discharged and danger of discharging a firearm while moving. The statement in the search warrant also incorrectly names Taylor as the suspect, subject armed with the gun who fired a shot that hit the detective. The detectives returned fire and it says struck the subject unknown a number of times. The subject collapsed inside the listed residence and subsequently was pronounced dead on the scene, the document said. But by the time Ennis spoke at the news conference, roughly 15 hours after the shooting, he identified Walker as the avengeable charge with the attempted murder of a police officer. No drugs was recovered from Taylor's home. Who was Breonna Taylor? What to know about the EMT shot and killed by police? Huh. 
This is actually very sad. Alright. That is it for the episode today. Um, I wanted to do the two episode specials where I talk about Ahmaud Arbery and Breonna Taylor. Uh, in about, I'll say tomorrow, I'm going to post this is going to be up on this episode. It's going to be up on March 22nd, noon. I'm going to finally do episode 30 of Black Wall Street Chronicles on the 23rd, Saturday. All right, I'll see you then. And thank God. Uh, thank you. God bless. Stay safe during the COVID-19 epidemic and enjoy your days. God bless.